Today, we're talking all about refinancing your house to purchase an investment property. Welcome back, everybody, and thank you so much for joining me again this week. It is an absolute pleasure to have you tuning in. This week, I have a super special guest, Davis Carroll from Mission 35 Mortgages. If you've watched the show before, you are familiar with him because he's been on it a few times because he's one of my favorite mortgage specialists. So how are you doing, Davis? <laughs> good. Good, good. So today's topic came in from a client, actually, somebody that watches uh, these videos, and they asked, can you break down the process simpler of how exactly it works to refinance your property to purchase an investment property. Now I said, okay, I could probably make a video about that, <laughs> but I figured let's just, let's bring in the expert and, uh, and go from there. So I guess Davis, could you break down maybe in the simplest terms, what exactly is a refinance? Yeah. And that's, I mean, that's a great question because that's one that we get often is, you know, what is refinancing? What, what does that look like for a homeowner? And you know, what are the costs? What's the process, right? Mm -hmm. So in simplest terms, refinancing is, you know, adding money to your existing mortgage, okay, or, or modifying your existing mortgage. But typically, the purpose is to add funds to your new mortgage, uh, sorry, add funds to your old mortgage, creating a new mortgage. And there's a couple main reasons why people would refinance. But today, we'll focus on adding funds to your mortgage, refinancing your mortgage to purchase an investment property. Now, when you're saying adding funds, are you talking about, I guess, to keep my existing mortgage and I get to add more on top of it? Or are you breaking the previous mortgage and getting an entirely new mortgage? Yeah. And, and depending on you know your existing mortgage, what your rate is, what your, the terms are, how much does it cost to break that mortgage, to take equity out, to add money to the mortgage, um, you know, those are all things that we look into while we're assessing what approach we would recommend for a refinance. But um, depending on the type of person you are, too, if you only want one payment and it's not going to cost a lot to break the mortgage and refinance, then adding money to an existing mortgage um, in a separate component might not make sense. Right um, now, when you're doing it at maturity, at renewal date. Uh, there's no cost to break the mortgage, so it, it can be easier to refinance. Um, but generally, the idea is you're taking equity out of your home uh, in, in cash deposit right into your bank account and then using that to you know purchase an investment property. And I think some people have a kind of misconception that when they refinance their property, they think, okay, uh, my house is worth, let's say, 600000 for this example. My house is worth 600000 I want to refinance it. You know, my mortgage is four hundred because I want to use two hundred thousand right. to buy my next property. So this is the misconception. People don't realize the money you have to leave in it. Yeah. So how does that work? Yeah, and, and we get that a lot too. People, you know, putting five percent or ten percent down on their first purchase and saying, Oh, we'll just refinance in mm -hmm. a couple of years. And you can only borrow eighty percent of the value of the home. So you need to leave twenty percent equity in the in your property. So if you purchase and put twenty percent down you know, if the market goes up, the value of your home goes up, as well as you paying down your mortgage, mm -hmm. that's where you're going to be able to access that equity, leaving 20% in. Yeah. Now, if you put 5% down or 10% down, you're going to be a ways away from mm -hmm. being able to capture the equity. A lot of that time is really just trying to catch up to the 20% mark, exactly. right? That exactly. extra 15%. Yeah. You're so, looking to 15% between market increase exactly. and paying down your mortgage. Exactly. Yeah. Which can take quite a bit of time. And when the market's up and down, it, it's tough to say how long that will take, mm -hmm. um, which of course is why we recommend if clients are close to that 20% mark, we, we urge them to try and come up with 20%. 
as it opens new doors for them down the road. They can refinance much sooner, do a 30-year mortgage instead of a 25, things like that that, that you know we recommend to people. Mm-hmm. For sure. Somebody out there is cursing right now because we're talking about 30-year mortgages. <laughs> like 30 years, what the heck? I know. But I've, I've always done 30 years too. If you got 20%, yeah. I mean, it makes your monthly. I guess it depends on the purpose too, but that's a whole different topic. Yeah. Um, so when you go to do this refinance, you want to purchase an investment property. Now, I was qualified, say I was the buyer and I was qualified to purchase my house based on my income, my spouse's income. We purchased our house. Now we're looking to refinance and purchase another property. What's expected of me for the qualification? Like, is it, do do I need more income? Like, you know what I'm trying to say? Like, is it harder to qualify for that refi to then purchase another property? Yeah, it's a good question. And of course, that's, you know, what we have to look into, um, when you're adding money to your mortgage, right, you're going to be qualifying for a larger loan. So if you were tight in qualifying for your first purchase or the, the original purchase of the property before you refinanced it, you'll have to have your income go up or be using some sort of rental income or you know, something along those lines to qualify for that extra amount. And if you're looking to qualify for an investment property after you refinance, so your mortgage on your one home is bigger, and then you're asking for new funds for a new purchase as well. So if you were tight to begin with, it, it might be difficult to qualify for both, you know, a bigger mortgage as well as a mortgage on a new property. But that's where we get creative, of course, looking at using rental income, mm-hmm. right? Are you moving yeah, into explain the... Explain that a little bit, that yeah. the rental income, how that affects things. Yeah. So if you're buying a rental property and, you know, we're, of course, putting the application into the bank stating, hey, this property will be used for rental property purposes, um, then if we can use some rental income to help offset that monthly mortgage payment. Um, and different banks use different percentages. Um, you know, if you have an existing tenant in the property and they're not leaving, you're assuming that tenant, um, you know, pretty straightforward, how much is it being rented for? But banks that we work with allow for what's called a market rent, where perhaps the rent that the tenant is paying is lower than what they could get now, the bank will look at what the market value is of that rental unit, which can can certainly make a difference. It's a huge difference. Yeah. Huge, because sometimes people get deterred from purchasing income properties because of the low exi- low rent from an existing tenant in there. Right. So that's great option to have that. And now I know you mentioned in terms of buying the property, but there's also uh, the opportunity you have to say you're in a townhouse, you want to buy a detached house. If you have, you can rent out your current townhouse yep. to move into the detached. So if you want to do an upsize, but hang on to your first property, how does that need to be structured for that to get approved? Like for them to take the income in because you're still living in it. Like when do you rent right. it? That sort of thing. Right. So, and, and that's a great point. And what I want to touch on with that as well is if you're purchasing a new property and you're going to be moving into that one and keeping your existing one as a rental property, you actually don't have to put 20% down on the new one, even though you own a house. So it's a common misconception that you, as soon as you purchase your first home and you put 5% down, that that's it. You can't put 5% or 10% down on another property. When really the rule is you can put 5% down or 10% down on whichever property you're moving into. Mm -hmm. So maybe you can't access 20% for, you know, pulling 20% via refinance to put down on the new one. Um, If you can only pull 5% or 10%, keep your existing property as a rental, put 5% or 10% on the new house, that's that's a way to get ahead as well. Now you have two. I'm going to be honest. I'm glad I had you on today. I just learned that. <laughs> I, just, I, I knew that you could do 5% on your primary residence, yep. but for some reason I thought, 
once you got into multiple properties, your 5% option went out the window. No, so yeah. see, this is why we bring the experts on <laughs> to talk about this. Um, cause that's a huge advantage. Cause I do, I have one client in particular, actually the person that I'd asked for this video to be made, he's got a townhouse. He's looking to eventually keep that town as a rental and move into it. So there you go. We can get away with 5% down on that next one, yeah. which is awesome. Um, so I guess it doesn't really matter. It's not, I was thinking it would be an easier route to either, you know, live in your current house and buy an investment or to um, to leave your current house as an investment and move into a bigger property. Like I was wondering which route would be easier. Is there one that's actually easier than the other? It, it's tough to say. It's tough to say. If you're, of course, purchasing an investment property and we're sending that into the bank, you have to put 20% down. So I would say that is a big hurdle so for people that's the difference. Okay, yeah. yeah. So I guess if you're moving into your primary, the advantage is a lower down lower payment. Lower down payment. Exactly. And then, I mean, you have a higher mortgage payment. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah. So I guess it's kind of... It depends. Depends on your situation. Yeah, and and if you want to make that move, but twenty percent seems like years and years away, um, you know, it can make sense for you to put five or ten percent down on a new purchase, rent out your other one, and now you have two properties that, of course, are are getting the benefit of um, you know the market appreciation. And when you put ten, five or ten percent down, you have a twenty-five year mortgage, and your mortgage is a bit bigger, of course, but that means you're paying it down a little bit quicker than a thirty-year. Yeah. Right. So there are pros and cons to both. Um, if you can't put 20% down, of course, we, we recommend it. You're going to have lower mortgage payments. But if that's mm -hmm. not an option, I, I wouldn't say don't uh, explore all of your options. Yeah. Um, you know, and don't buy a rental property just because you don't have 20%, uh, right? You can look at all of the options that you have and, and uh, maybe you realize you want to move into a new one and rent out yours, mm -hmm. right? That's great. That's an awesome point. And I mean, I guess where the 20% really becomes a big advantage in the 30-year mortgage is when it's an investment property, you're not really paying for it anyways, right? <laughs> so I mean, you're renting it. Somebody else is paying it for 30 years, assuming right. you hang on to it that long, which I don't know. I know maybe a handful of old Italian guys that have held on to properties for more than 30 years. The rest, everybody's every five years, 10 yeah. years. But I mean, things things have been nuts. But um, that's awesome. So I guess we won't drag this on. I feel like we answered a lot of the questions. Is there anything you think we missed? Um, anything you want to mention? I just think it's important to you know talk to industry professionals, talk to people that are, are doing it, right? You and I who are experienced in the, in the field and, and ask the questions, yeah. right? You can't get the answer until you ask the questions. You learn you learn new stuff every time you have conversations and collaborating with people that are doing it, I think is... I know this whole 5% down thing, you got me thinking like, holy, this place now, we might be... <laughs> Justin sending some emails this afternoon. Let me calling my wife, yeah. Well, that's it. We're moving. Rent so, out the old place. But yeah, ask questions and, and you know, you might be pleasantly surprised at, at uh, what you're capable of and what you can do and... and Buying property for uh, for your future is a great way to to invest in yourself and in your future, and you know, awesome. All so. right, well, Davis, thank you so much for joining us. My pleasure, I appreciate man. it. My pleasure. Thanks for tuning in again, you guys. Absolutely appreciate you tuning in each and every week. As always, if there's any topics you would like me to cover, I will answer them and make videos as best as I can. And if I don't know the answer, then I will bring in the professionals <laughs> like Davis Carroll from Mission Thirty Five Mortgages. Uh, anyways, thanks again. Thanks again for tuning in. We'll talk to you again next week.